<laughs> okay, now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 scores. Scope, yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Did Matt Peck yeah. get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck, he didn't know. No. I'll talk to D. Rose. Yeah, you got it. Matt, well, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Left side three. Remy. Remy. Got it. Turn around, jumper up. Get it. Onions. Baby onions. Kobe White. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Locked on Bulls starts now. You can just see the vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. Hanging out with you guys tonight as I sit here, watch Miami and Boston go at it in the second quarter. Jumping on a little bit late today, too, and Matt Peck is out. Be back tomorrow together. I know he soloed yesterday. I'm soloing today. Uh, as I sit here watching this game as it's tied with four minutes left in the second quarter, uh, this could be a great series. Miami, Boston, Jimmy Butler, Marcus Smart, which we will talk about in a second. Got reminded of that feud. I want to let you guys know what a, what is planned for today's short show. Figure we'll be back, back tomorrow. Go a little bit longer with your mailbag questions. Again, 331-979-1369. You can drop those. Drop your voicemails before tomorrow afternoon's episode. Uh, the biggest news that just dropped about an hour ago was Kobe White being named to the being named to the second team all rookie Kobe White had 90 votes exactly he had eight votes for first team and he had 74 second team votes so we'll get into that as well as I wanted to talk a little bit that passed by over the weekend the ringer put out their 1.0 mock draft and they had James Wiseman going number four so I wanted to dive into that a little bit and uh, see where else we go with it. But first, let's talk a little bit about Butler and Marcus Smart because I totally, I didn't totally forget about this. I remembered it immediately, but I forgot that these two are matching up. Now, I just didn't put two and two together. Uh, and it stems back from a Bulls rivalry we all know all too well back in 2017 before the Bulls decided to blow everything up. Rajon Rondo, Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. The Bulls actually had a two to one lead in this series, uh, and things started to escalate between Butler and Marcus Smart on the court. So let me set this up for you. Let me play you the clip of the play that Marcus Smart and Jimmy Butler get into it on. And even now, what, three years later, three and a half years later, Jimmy Butler still being asked questions about this ongoing feud. We'll see if it continues throughout this entire series, but it should be interesting. But let's go back and just to reminisce a little bit, let's go back and listen to the root of this cause between Jimmy Butler and Marcus Smart in the playoffs in Game 3 of the Eastern Conference opening round. Let's take a listen. Boston has made seven threes. Green has four of them. And this is Boston's biggest lead of the series thus far. As we play in Game 4, and Butler can't get the bounce. Smart wrestles it out of there. And here comes Boston trying to add to a 20-point lead. Never mind. With the steal. And finally, these fans here at the United Center have something to cheer about as Butler and Smart come nose to nose. Yeah. 
Gerald Green, the voice of reason with Marcus Smart. Not many people have said that before, Brian. The voice of reason being Gerald Green for pretty fiery himself. But, you know, Marcus Smart got the ball stolen from him by Isaiah Cannon, and he didn't like it, and he gave uh, Butler a little push, and he felt that Butler was, uh, he felt like Butler was holding him when he was trying to bring the ball up the floor. You can see it right here. He feels like right now he's getting fouled, and Isaiah comes in and takes it from him. Yeah, a lot of frustration there. A little shove. Dennis Scott was right there. What'd you see, Dennis? Thing, guys, I was right underneath it. And Smart got the rebound. Jimmy Butler's being physical with him. Isaiah Cannon steals the ball, and he thought he got fouled. And then Jimmy Butler gets in Smart's face. No punches are thrown right here in front of me. I think maybe a few fouls, but let's play. Checking the replay here. Scott Foster over there as the replay center giving them some information. It'll be a double technical. Scott Foster. Alerting us. So Smart and Butler on the double technical. <laughs> Three years later, and few things changed for Jimmy Butler's world, but not much for Marcus Smart or Scott Foster, and they're all back in this series, ironically. Uh, but this is Jimmy Butler. This is probably what you guys remember most about Jimmy Butler after game three where the Bulls ended up losing but uh, this was Jimmy Butler's comments on the Marcus Smart situation as far as the Marcus Smart situation goes um, he's a he's a great actor acting tough that's what he does um, but I don't think he's about that and um, I, I just don't think I'm, I'm the wrong guy to, to get in my face not not so he need to um, take it somewhere else because I'm, I'm not the one for that is, it, is that the first time he said something to you, or has that been going on in the series? Uh, I think, yeah, that's the first time. Um, last time, too. We're not going to sit here and, and um, get in each other's faces like that. Like like I said, that's I don't, he's not about that life, so he's calm, calming down. <laughs> Golly, getting in there with the question. Uh, but that was the one that sparked headlines, and I remember when Matt, early on, and when me and Hot, him first couple months of us podcasting together talking and breaking down this series and specifically playing that audio back uh, was just hilarious and then of course I gotta let you guys hear Marcus Smart react to that this was the day after the game uh, this was pre-game morning shoot around uh, before game four the night after that this had happened here was Marcus Smart on what Jimmy Butler had to say laughed at I mean you know this is about Celtics versus Chicago Bulls not Marcus Smart versus Jimmy you know uh I ain't got to sit here and say this and that. I'm this, I'm that. That ain't that type of guy. My actions speak louder than words, so. Yeah, it ain't hard to find me, so. But right now, I'm focusing on my teammates in this series. How are you about that life? <laughs> like I said before, I ain't got to talk about what I am about, and I can show you. I can show you better than I can tell you. So, I mean, like I said, it ain't hard to find me. You heard I mean, you heard him. He said, I don't think Marcus Smart's about that life. I mean, last time I checked, if you're going to say somebody about that life, you should know, right? All right, so, but like I said, we're going to keep this Chicago Bulls versus Boston Celtics, not Marcus versus Jerry. Has anyone ever accused you of not being tough before? Never. <laughs> so, what was your reaction to that? Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> Three years later, and they tried to bait Jimmy the other day talking about this feud, and he wasn't having it. So uh, maybe both guys have matured a little bit and moved on past that point, or maybe not. I guess we'll find out throughout this series if things get contentious. And, I mean, if we start to go into Game 5, Game 6, Game 7, and see any of those dramatics happen, we might see things flare up. And, I mean, we were watching Marcus Smart and Kyle Lowry flop all over the place throughout the entire first series. So I'm imagining that's going to happen again and probably spark some... 
emotions from both guys. So I guess we'll just have to find out. But I thought I'd bring that back for you guys. Uh, before we get to Kobe White and talk a little bit about the all-rookie teams, I wanted to remind you guys about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain store front. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only the brands the warehouse happens to carry? You have computer access with rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from Hundreds of manufacturers, they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, so if you haven't been on Twitter in the last couple of hours, or if you have, you probably saw the list of all-rookie first team and all-rookie second team being named, being released. Uh, This has been a flurry over the last few days, the last couple of weeks of awards, nominations, teams being selected. And this was the one that I was curious about because I was wondering where Kobe White would end up. I know that Kobe White didn't get all the opportunity that maybe Bulls fans wanted him to get in year one. Jim Boylan certainly not allowing him to start basically the entire season, all but one game, the final game that the Bulls played before the shutdown. Not getting the same opportunity that some other guys got already put Kobe White at a disadvantage. But I want to tell you guys, and maybe we can even get into this tomorrow, because I want to spend the majority of the episode with Matt talking about Kobe White's season last year and what his potential future is over the next coming years and where we think he develops. But more specifically talking and looking back at his stats and while I say he didn't get opportunities to start if you look at some of the averages and thanks to our friends at b-ball index they've given us a bunch of averages about consistency minutes consistency throughout the season uh, time of play usage compared to the other guards in the league last year and a lot of those numbers were up above the average so good for Kobe White in the sense that he was getting opportunity, but it wasn't just in a starting role with the other starting four players, the core that we think that is going to be the future of this team. He's getting his opportunities in other places. I think for a lot of the time, Matt and I were like, you know, sort of chill and like very relaxed about the idea that Kobe White wasn't starting right away. As the season started to take a turn, especially when the Bulls started to lose multiple games in a row, you start to lose guys to injuries especially the last six weeks of the season, we started to call for Kobe White to start. So there was opportunity, and Kobe White did get more opportunity than some other guys. I don't think it was showcased just because of how bad the Bulls were. It wasn't showcased on a national level, I should say, talking about him night in and night out, just because about how bad the Bulls were night in and night out. And there's so many other storylines to talk about with that team. Things like Zach Levine going off and Kobe White having a successful year, I think those things get overshadowed. But... NBA All-Rookie First Team, John Morant with the most votes at 200. He had 100 first team votes. He had zero second team votes for a total of 200 points. Kendrick Nunn, he was on the first team All-Rookie. He got 98 first place votes, one second place vote. 
That put him at 197. Brandon Clark for Memphis, 92 first place votes. Zion Williamson with 87 first team votes. Two second team votes put him at 176. And then Eric Pascal from Golden State, 28 votes, 60 second team votes for 116. So that rounded out your all rookie first team. Pretty easy to understand. Three out of those guys were shoe-ins. Williams, Nunn, and Morant. Those guys were the finalists for Rookie of the Year, too, so you kind of knew that they were going to be put there. I am a little surprised about Brandon Clark, although I didn't watch a whole lot of the Grizzlies this year. Towards the end, in, in the NBA bubble, I watched them more often than I did at the back end of the season. I was just, I was too miserable at that point watching Bulls games. That That was enough for me, and then being able to catch Zion Williamson was a lot of fun. But yeah, Brandon Clark had a really good season. He was one of those guys that Matt and I talked about drafting at number seven over Kobe White and whether or not the Bulls should take him. But he had a great year with Memphis and uh, John Morant being on that list too with Memphis. Memphis with two great players. Another team with two guys being named to these teams is Miami. Speaking of the second team, All-NBA rookie team. The first name on that list is Tyler Hero from Miami. He had 23 first place votes. He had 69 second team votes for 115 points. He got pushed out of first team all rookie by Eric Pascal by one point. One point. All he needed was one one more first team vote and one less second team vote and he would have been fine. He would have been in. But Eric Pascal pushes him ahead. So Tyler here is the first guy on that list at 115 points. Then he dropped down to single digit point or double-digit point totals in Terrence Davis the second for Toronto. He had 30 first-place votes and 36 second-team votes. Uh, Terrence Davis had a fantastic season, especially on the defensive end of the ball. Uh, and then came Kobe White. Eight first-team votes at two points and 74 second-team votes. So clearly, across the board, a lot of people felt that Kobe White was deserving to be a part of the selection of 10 guys that were part of the all-rookie selection, but not good enough to push past to get to all-rookie first team. And I don't think anybody out there, any Bulls fans, not surprised by this, right? Just because, and it wasn't really any fault to Kobe White's, but not getting the opportunity to start, the opportunity to shine, Night in and night out, having to deal with Jim Boylan. Uh, and you also have a, another primary scorer on the team, too, Zach Levine, who needed the ball consistently. And Kobe White had his ups and downs, too. I mean, the beginning of the season wasn't great. He had flashes, but definitely more consistent over the last six weeks of his seasons, his season, rookie season, than it was in the first six weeks. That being said, P.J. Washington Jr. from Charlotte, eight first-team votes, 72 second-team votes, 88 total points, and then Rui Hachimura from Washington, 10 votes for first place and 54 votes for second place. That rounded it out, though. Your second team is Tyler Hero, Terrence Davis, Kobe White, P.J. Washington, and Rui Hachimura. Pretty good list. Now you guys are probably wondering who the snubs are, right? Who got snubbed out of first or second team? Who should have been there? Who was not? Let me give those to you right now. So the first guy being left off of this list with first 10 votes for first team, 41 for second team, and 61 points total is R.J. Barrett. There's some conversation going around like, why the hell did Terrence Davis II for Toronto make second team all rookie when he was averaging like six, two and three and RJ Barrett was averaging double digits for a New York team. That was kind of garbage. I don't know if it was Knicks bias and the fact that the Knicks were terrible last year, the bulls were terrible last year. A lot of that can play a factor too. Maybe it was the bad defense. 
I'm not quite sure. I'd have to go back and dive a little bit deeper into his numbers, but I'm guessing defense played a little bit more of a factor here, and on top of that, too, how good your team was played a little bit of a factor here. Had Toronto been a middle-of-the-road team and New York been a middle-of-the-road team, R.J. Barrett probably gets the nod, right? Interesting. Uh, at 55 total points, six first-team votes, 43 second-team votes. Uh, the only other guy left off with first-team votes left off of either one of these lists, and that was Matisse Thibel. And I thought he had a fantastic season. He'd be a great player. Be a, that was a great pick by the 76ers. A defensive workhorse. And I think he's going to come around on the offensive side, so he's going to be a great role player for them for years to come. Uh, to round out this list, though, none of these guys got first-team votes. A lot of them with second-team votes. Darius Garland had 14 second-team votes. DeAndre Hunter had 11. Michael Porter Jr. had 9. Jackson Hayes had 5. Cameron Johnson had 3. Kobe White's former college teammate. And then Cody Martin for Charlotte had one second-team vote. So that kind of rounds out your list there. I'm curious what you guys think, though. you just think anybody was snubbed? Do you think Kobe White was fairly categorized as middle of the road on that second team? Obviously more than worthy. He had 90 points, six away from being second to, to being named on that team. So eight first place votes says enough for me that says the media was in consensus that even though the Bulls were absolutely garbage last year, Kobe White played consistent enough basketball and especially down the stretch to have this honor. This is awesome. Like, if there's anything more excited to be about, it's the rookies that the Bulls have had these last two seasons, Kobe White and Wendell Carter Jr. I know Wendell Carter Jr. didn't get the praise and the love he should have gotten his rookie year, and that was largely due to injury. Should be excited about both of these guys. It should be excited about Larry Markinen even still, too. I think get a new head coach in here. We got a new front office. Fix him, and things are going to be okay. One other cool quick note on this is... uh. The last person to be named to an all-rookie team was Lowry Markkinen in 2017-2018. He was named to first-team all-rookie with Kyle Kuzma, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, and Ben Simmons. Again, I'm, I'm telling you, get a coach in here, fix Lowry Markkinen's confidence, figure out what kind of offense best suits him and Kobe White, and let's roll. The other funny thing is I was looking up to see, okay, beyond those two guys before that, who was a part of an all-rookie team that the Bulls maybe had drafted? Outside of Larry Marketing. Nikola Miritich, 2014-2015, he was on the first team all-rookie. We've talked about we're really hot on um, Bobby Portis, McDermott, um, Nikola Miritich, Felicio. Uh, and actually, part of that all-rookie squad on the second team was Zach Levine in Minnesota in 2014-15. So, interesting. The Bulls have two guys, one that was named to second team all-rookie. One guy that was named a first-team All-Rookie in the past three years. Build around that. And, and honestly, if Wendell Carter Jr. didn't go down with a season-ending injury halfway through the season, he probably would have been on second-team All-Rookie. I could I could almost guarantee it. It's a bright future. It is. So we'll get into a little bit more on Kobe White's stats. And I, I'll pull some and pull some interesting ones from guys that were a part of that All-Rookie second team and All-Rookie first team. And we'll kind of dissect and discuss some of the high points of Kobe White's season last year and where we think he fits best going forward. The last thing I wanted to touch on really quickly before I get out of here uh, was talking about the ringer. They put out their mock draft 1.0 this week and it had some Bulls fans kind of upset, kind of puzzled, a little bit confused on how the draft order was going and where they had guys selected. So first overall, they had Anthony Edwards going to Minnesota. Number two, they had Golden State tending, taking Denny Avija. 
Number three, they had Charlotte taking LaMelo Ball, and at number four, they had the Bulls taking James Wiseman. Now, I saw a flood of immediate signs from across Bulls Twitter, and you're allowed to totally have your opinion. I think guys have their opinion across the drafts all the time. Every single year, we talk about dozens and dozens of different guys. Some guys work out, some guys don't. But I think the reasoning and the thought process of the Bulls taking James Wiseman at number four interests me more than whether or not I feel like personally he's the best fit for this Bulls team. I'm curious what your thoughts are, though. If a situation occurs where LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Denny Avish is off the board, are you taking Killian Hayes over James Wiseman? Are you taking Obi Toppin? Are you taking Tyrese Halberton? Are you taking Isaac Okoro? I know Matt is a huge Isaac Okoro fan, and I don't know. The idea of passing up a guy with like not can't miss talent, the way he was recruited going into college, and then the mess that didn't allow him to basically have a college season, it just blows me away that a guy could just be completely an afterthought to a team that we need talent, regardless of what position it's at still. I think the Bulls are still in talent acquisition mode and should take the best guy available and deal with the problems later. I've said this from the beginning. If LaMelo Ball is off the board... And that's why I said, Melo... Okay. ...is going to be... Okay. Watch me dance again. Okay. Number one pick, 2020. LaMelo. that good. Okay. And you truly feel like that's the guy that you want and you're not willing to risk trading up for him and you feel like Wiseman's going to fall to you at four and you don't want to deal with the immediate problem of Lowry Market and Wendell Carter Jr. I think it's a dumb decision to not think about taking Wiseman there. Some of the reasoning that the ringer gave for the Bulls taking James Wiseman here was they had mentioned the same exact reasoning I had given you guys a couple of weeks ago was the fact that if they take James Wiseman, him, him falling here at number four, the Bulls not having to trade out of that position. Who's to say that the Bulls can't turn around, take a look at the, all three of these big men during offseason training camps? Or maybe they have an idea that they want to move Carter or Markkinen and they want to build around Wiseman. Who's to say that there isn't the thought process there? The interesting debate could be, if he's drafted, which guy is to go? Is it Carter or is it Markkinen? Because clearly you're not going to keep Carter, Markkinen, Cornette, Gafford, Felice. I mean, five big men. You're going to take up a 30-year roster with big men. You're not going to do that. So if the Bulls do take, in fact, take Wiseman, they're either going to trade down later in the draft or they're going to keep him and move Carter or Markkinen. I, I feel like it's that simple. So draft night's going to tell us a lot, although draft night has been pushed back now, so we might have to be waiting a couple more months to find out this real decision. But it's an interesting debate. We've talked about it plenty as a fan base. Between the two guys wondering who's the better player, who's got the bigger, who's got the better ceiling. And I guess for me, the first question is, is what does this front office, what style does this front office want to play? And what coach is going to come in to play that style? So choosing between these two players, I think, has a lot to do with the coach that they bring in and also the style that they're going to want to play. If it's a coach like Mike D'Antoni, you're probably moving Carter, right? I mean, there's an argument to keep Carter. You could play small ball and you could have him play the five, but again, it goes circles back to the main issue. Would Carter have a fresh mindset with a new front office and a new head coach and instill the trust in a guy like Mike D'Antoni or somebody who wants to run an offense similar to the way that the Rockets were built, would he be willing to sacrifice and give it one more year to try developing his game into playing the majority at the five? I don't know. That's a whole shitload to ask Carter in year three after coming off of two years of injuries. But you got to understand it from his perspective too as, as part of his timeline of where things are building. Same thing and you look at marketing. 
Markkanen feels like the ideal guy in a system like that, right? Although he can't defend, can't defend up or down in either position, that was a huge issue, but he can shoot the damn lights out of it. We didn't see it consistently last year, but it's there. It's there, I promise. We saw it in his rookie year. Confidence, health, those two things are going to be key for Markkanen's game, but if you bring in a coach that's going to emphasize versatility and defensive presence, then Markkanen's probably the guy who goes, right? And if you're really trying to build toughness, if you're trying to build the ability to switch onto multiple different guys and defend, shooting and scoring comes second because you got guys like Kobe White and you got Zach Levine. And hell, you can insert Carter into the offensive part of the the game and the flow and at least give him an opportunity to showcase anything that he has because we haven't seen hardly anything from Carter. And Matt and I always reference the game against Denver where we dropped 30 and Justin Holiday blew the game at the end. But that's there. It's it's unlockable. Both Markin and, and Carter have skills that are unlockable, and we've seen them in flashes. It just depends on the style and the play that you're going to want to play. So this circles all the way back to Wiseman. Maybe they, they think long-term, cheaper and Wiseman to stick him at center, and we can play the smaller type of ball. And hell, maybe we can even bring in a veteran to kind of overlap between developing two young bigs in either Gafford or Wiseman. That's a possibility. Like, don't. Don't think that that's not a possibility, because it is, and I don't think it's as disastrous as a lot of people might be thinking right off the bat. I still got to see more film, like just seeing college tape and the limited Memphis tape that we have isn't enough for me. There has to be something in Wiseman that made him one of the top recruits last year, and outside of some of the scandals he got involved with, which started to take over more headlines than his actual ability or skill, I got to see that again. Because I'm maybe maybe it's lying to me. Maybe maybe he's a Josh Jackson and turns out to be terrible. Turns out to be a terrible pick in the NBA and just a waste of money. But I don't know if AK is going to draft that guy with the mindset that he feels like he can move Carter and Markin and, and still develop Wiseman to be one of, if not better, just as good as one of those guys are projecting to be. I, I think I gotta. I, I'm gonna trust him. I'm gonna trust him for now, especially his track record with bigs. It's good, right? I mean, outside of any other position, he's he has the most proof that it's worked time and time again with guys that he's seen and he's been able to develop, whether it be with the Nuggets or a player that they ended up trading to in the Jazz and Rudy Gobert. He's able to identify talent, and so that's what's going to make me very curious if they do select Wiseman. Uh, honest thought, though, I don't think that they're going to. I, I don't think he's going to be available. I think he. I don't think he's slips out of the top three. I think LaMelo Ball maybe slips out of the top three out of the four guys. I'm being more and more convinced that every single day. And that would be great news for me as a Bulls fan, as somebody who wants LaMelo here so badly. So badly. The last question that I had is concerning Markin and Carter, and this is the conversation we can continue to have. Would you be as upset or disappointed in the Bulls drafting Wiseman if it meant for trading for a star if if it meant that there was another move in place to take another giant leap forward I know with trading Carter or Markkinen or having to trade multiple young pieces on this roster or maybe even trading future draft capital in order to make your team better you're taking a minor step back but you're taking a leap forward so net plus also, you're getting a, another opportunity to, to convince yourself and convince Bulls fans and let Zach Levine show his opportunity for another year or two. 
Like you don't want Zach Levine to already make the decision of whether he, he's in or out on Chicago with still, what, two years left on his deal. We still don't know. Sh- I'm still not convinced. I know for sure whether or not there's another level to him or not. I believe that there. I believe that there is, but we got to see it, and it's got to be proven to Bulls front office. It's got to be proved to Bulls fans out there that are still doubters. And it comes back to wins. So that's most important. I think you bring somebody else in here, trade for a star, you start to build chemistry, and you start to stack Ws. Things start to move in the right direction. Would you be as pissed off with them drafting Wiseman and trading maybe Markinen or Carter if it meant bringing in a guy like Ben Simmons? Or I know his contract is terrible, but I'm just throwing it out there because he's been a part of the rumors. CP3, the connections with Kobe White and Zach Levine are undeniable. I mean, if hell, if they bring Billy Donovan in, who's to say that he doesn't come with him? Or Mike D'Antoni? So I don't know. I, I mean, maybe you see some of you guys out there are like, you're a complete idiot. Why the hell would you want James Wiseman when you got? two bigs that you can develop already i think cost control is another thing to think about like if we're talking about a big offseason in two years where you're potentially going to throw max money at one or two players if the bulls have the position to do that and they do you have a controllably young big then for two more years than you have of carter or marketing because you're going to have to make decisions on those guys too think about timeline too I know Car- like maybe Carter and Marketing end up being the better players, but in order to sign a max player, you have to make concessions somewhere. I'm just thinking long-term and, and, and several steps ahead of where the Bulls are right now because you have to have that in mind for possible reasons of why they would take Wiseman. Outside of just the unknown skill and all of that. So that's where I'm at. I'm just asking questions. And I'm wondering if you guys are asking the same questions too. I'm trying to be reasonable about this because there's plenty of prospects that we're going to talk about over the next couple of months. And I don't think it's crazy to freak out at a 1.0 draft if the ringer drops. Give us your thoughts at 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails. Matt, will take, Matt and I will take all of those either tomorrow or Thursday. Oh, we're still deciding between... I know we want to do a Kobe White appreciation episode, so that's coming at some point later this week. Whether we do it tomorrow, Thursday, or Friday, it's coming, I promise. Anybody who didn't listen to our C Red Fred episode, that was a fantastic hour interview last week on Friday, so go check that out as well. Matt soloed yesterday talking about the NBA playoff series here and talking a little bit about Mike D'Antoni, so listen to that. Thank Thanks for listening today. That's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Thanks to our sponsor in rockauto.com. Make sure to go to rockauto.com. And when you buy something, make sure you put Locked On Bulls and Locked On Podcast Network in the How Did You Hear About Us tab. For Matt Peckham, Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation, have a wonderful day. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Uh, I just don't think I'm, I'm the wrong guy to, to get in my face. Not, not. So you need to um, take it somewhere else because. I'm not, I'm not the one for that. Don't come here once every two years and ask those questions. I don't want to hear that from you. So what was your reaction to that? <laughs> I like that laugh. <laughs> Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. 